You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. It's a fronting up special this week, and there's only really one place where we can go, and that is the potential takeover of the Newport Gwent Dragons by the Welsh Rugby Union. We're going to be having a look at what it means for Gwent, what it'll mean for Newport RFC, and what it will mean generally for pro rugby in Wales. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. very much for downloading this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Uh, as you'll have heard from the intro, there really has only been one one kind of news story dominating the, the world of Welsh rugby this week and it has been the uh, the takeover or the potential takeover of the Dragons by the WRU. Now, joining me to pick the bones out of this and I think we're going to have uh, plenty of bones or certainly plenty of searching for bones, um, is uh, Dan Kellick. Evening, Dan. Evening, Jed. How are you doing? Yeah, all right. Good. I think we've got a lot to get through tonight. It's going to be a good one. I, it is. I think it's going to be heated, not just because of the uh, the temperature in this basement for once. It's a little. You've dropped the temp, which is good. I think God. that's it because it's going to uh, it's going to heat up. As if I had control over that anyway. And joining us to win his second cap is Dav. Evening, Dav. 
Good evening. Pleasure to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Um, I suppose if last week was was your debut, that was a bit of a bit of an easy run. You obviously impressed. This was that was kind of like making your debut against Italy tonight. We've got a we got a real tricky one. This is your second test against the All Blacks tonight. So uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I think. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> right in the intro, I referred to it as a potential takeover, uh, which is what it seems like it is now, and. Really, what's happened uh, since we were last on air is there has been a really uh, eventful Q and A session at Newport on Monday night, and during this, there was a lot of questions from Newport supporters about what the potential takeover means for for the Newport club itself and uh, and for their supporters. And uh, I was lucky enough to catch up earlier with Russ Jones, who was at that meeting and is. Uh, uh, lifelong Newport supporter, so I had a chat with Russ, uh, and here's what he had to say. Delighted to say then, I'm joined by Russ Jones. Evening, Russ. Evening, Jed. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, it sounded like a very eventful evening uh, on Monday night. I wonder if you could start just by just by filling our audience in on uh, on exactly what transpired on Monday. Well, to be totally honest, from the club uh, and board's point of view, it, it was a bit of a shambles because... It was supposed to be a, a Q&A session for Newport supporters, but there were a lot of queues and noise, and basically the chief executive couldn't answer anything really relevant to um, Newport Rugby. Um, he, he sort of implied that all the negotiations had been carried out were in respect of the Dragons, but almost like Newport had been an afterthought. And uh, anything that was put to him, really, he didn't seem to know. How much of a concern is that that Stuart Davis is, did, didn't seem to have any answers, and it felt that you know that Newport was was an afterthought? How concerning is that for fans of Newport? I, I think it's a massive concern, to be honest, because he is chief executive of both the Dragons and Newport Rugby, and I appreciate the importance. I think we all appreciate the importance of the Dragons, and we all want to see the Dragons thrive. Um, but not at the expense of Newport. And I think he, he definitely didn't have his Newport hat on at the negotiating table. Um, the Dragons have obviously had some answers as, as to what would happen in their future, but we've had none. Did it make you think then that there was almost no business plan negotiated with regards to Newport? I think absolutely. He was asked at the meeting, um, I, th- I think slightly jokingly, because we knew what the answer would be, and he was asked by one person from the floor, um, did he have a business plan and would it be possible to have a copy the following day? And, <laughs> he, and he, he obviously didn't have one. So uh, that was that was knocked on the head pretty pretty quickly. But I think he was asked about four times on that before he actually admitted he didn't have one. Um, but obviously, what happens to the Dragons going forward is, is very important. But equally, from a Newport point of view, it's important what happens to us. You know, Do, do we have any guarantee of playing at the ground we don't do we have any uh, control over income streams on match days we don't do we have any access to facilities on match days we don't um and they were all major concerns and he, he couldn't sort of um put to rest any any fears on any of those and you mentioned to me off air that there's been a lot of conjecture about you know it's all very much been a kind of one-sided there's no real option here uh but one thing that's kind of come out of the meeting that there were other there were other investors interested um, in purchasing the dragons. 
Yeah, I, th I think at one time uh, we were told, anyway, within the last two years, there were other investors interested in, in buying the Dragons, but apparently the talks stalled because they wanted ownership of, of Rodney Parade. Um, now, for some reason, that isn't a problem now because the WWE also want ownership of Rodney Parade, and the board seemed willing to, to, to yield to that. Um, the idea was originally that, that Newport would retain ownership of the ground and lease the ground to the mm. Dragons, but that now seems to have gone out of the window. It does, and again, that, yeah, that must be right at the top of the, the list of concerns. Um, alongside the, the lack of commitment to, to having access to, to Rodney Parade is also the fact that it kind of seems that there's not it doesn't quite add up between what you know we've been told prior to that and then why you would do a deal with the WRU based on them taking control of Rodney. Yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely right. I mean, Nick would have played at um, Rodney Parade for something like 140 years. And um, like I say, well, whilst we all want the Dragons to thrive, it, it shouldn't be at the case uh, at the expense of Newport Rugby. I've heard people say that um, Tony Brown, the main benefactor, isn't a charity. But equally, Newport Rugby isn't a charity. Mm. And, you know, if, if the ground had to go, then Newport deserves something out of it. And I, I just think there's so many unanswered questions around that. You know, the fact that the WIU would get in the ground for 3.75 million when the account show is worth well over six. And, um, you know, it's prime pretty, sorry, prime city centre land. Yeah. Literally a bridge across the river from the, the main city centre. Um, you know, the land is worth an awful lot of money for, for development and, and about half the land is actually unused really basically and, and you know, it, it, it could be sold for development to raise money for the team or teams playing at Rodney Parade. So um, it has planning permission and I can't understand either why that now is suddenly gone, gone by the way as well. What, uh, what happens next then for, uh, for Newport supporters? I, th I think we we need answers to all the, the questions that we've had. I, I think in addition as well, you know, we, we don't want to lose the ownership of the ground, if at all possible. And there are debts secured against the ground, but they have been secured against the ground by the directors on behalf of the Dragons and not on behalf of Newport. So it's almost as if it's being taken away from us wrongly. Um, but I think we need to know what the main directors, Tony Brown and Martin Hazel are willing to write off from the debts that they are owed. Now, they've gone on record on, as, as recently as last weekend um, in the rugby paper, direct quotes, saying that they were pre prepared to write off their, their losses, if, if you like, their debts. Um, Stuart Davis didn't know that. Uh, he didn't seem to have any idea of how much they were prepared to write off, but the rugby paper was, was playing with direct quotes, and they would. Now, if they write their debts off, I think that, that creates a whole different ball game. You know, it gives the opportunity of having no debt for Newport Rugby, mm. the option of selling the spare land, which could then be ploughed back into the ground anyway to, to, to improve the pitch, for instance, which is, which is you know, not great at the moment. Yeah, but, you know, that's well documented, that. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, a bit of an embarrassment, I suppose, really. But, but you know, there is the option, you know, that money could be used for other, other things, you know, such as improving the, the ground, the pitch and the facilities. So... I think there are other options, and we're not clear why the board are not pursuing those options. Yeah, well, it's um, it's, a, it's a worrying time for all uh, for all fans of uh, of Newport Rugby Club, and we'll uh, we'll be sure to be following this story as uh, as it kind of as it unfolds. Russ, thanks very much for joining us on the attacking scrum.
That's right. Pleasure, Jed. Thanks very much. Really interesting to uh, to hear from Russ, who's obviously there on uh, what sounded like a pretty heated evening on uh, on Monday night. What did you uh, What did you make of that, Dan? Yeah, I thought he was very measured there, wasn't he? Um, and it's it's easy to it's quite easy to forget, isn't it, how much a club um, plays a part in people's lives. Yeah, um, we can forget and probably often do. And you could hear in his voice he was he was hurting, wasn't he? Um, and he won't be. He certainly won't be the only one. I, well, I think that's it, and obviously there's a lot of concerns there. I think you've made a really interesting point there straight up, and that's the the bit that is potentially overlooked by um, by the governing bodies, and that's the importance of of the club kind of within the, the community. And I think that's a really, you know, not not just Newport in this case, but club rugby gen- generally in, in Wales is, you know, is where you fall in love with the game. And it's all very well having a, you know, successful national side, and everyone thinking everything's okay. And then good looking. Okay, how do we sort the regions out? But you know that that grassroots level of rugby is absolutely integral because without that, you won't have any fans. You won't have any players. Yeah, I mean, if it's a, it's a a big big error, isn't it, of um, of the WIU not being able to answer or not being able to give the answers to you know what was the business plan? Well, is it is plan? yeah? I mean, is this the WIU's fault or is this Stuart Davis and the the current Dragons administration's fault? Well, they're all involved, aren't they? So you'd think that someone would would advise Stuart David say that you, you're going to definitely be asked be asked these you know these five questions. You've got to have an answer to them. It seems very very basic, and those those key three points that haven't been answered, um, you know, we, you, you'd put your house on those things being asked, and you've got to come back with an answer. It looks pretty obvious now, Dav. Why Stuart Davis insisted on a media blackout on uh, on Monday night. Uh, what have you made of the whole situation? Well, I think rather him than me in front of those mm. rabid uh, Amber and black fans. But, uh, you know, it's a difficult time, as Dan said, for the Newport supporters. You know, they've always been, it's always been a special ground. And we all think back to the the early, the late 90s when they had some real superstars down there. And Newport as a club were really bossing it. But also, you know, some great fixtures pre-regional rugby up at the clubs in and around Gwent. And to see it all come crashing down like this is a travesty, really. And really, you think back to the early days of regional rugby and the accusations that uh, the Dragons or the Newport Dragons or the Newport Grant Dragons weren't going to fully embrace the region and fans will walk away. And it feels like it's prophecy that's come true. Do you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, really. I mean, so much of so much of this is probably unnecessary, isn't it? Because if those aren't, if those <clears throat> I believe that a lot of the Newport fans understand and appreciate that um, without without the WIU's involvement, the the, the you know re, the, the Dragons won't won't survive. I think that's that's clear and plain to see. Um, but it, and it, this whole process would be so much smoother and better and nicer if they were able to answer you know where Newport, where what's going to happen to Newport the rugby club because. It's they're just forgotten about, aren't they? Do you, do you, do you think that's it? Be. It's just it's just been an afterthought in the whole thing. It's like okay, how do we get our hands on the dragons? And then from Stuart Davis's point of view, okay, right, that's the dragons taken care of. And and there hasn't been a second thought to the uh, to the Newport club. It certainly seems that way. Um, I can't. I've tried to think about why, if they're possibly hiding, if they know, if they if they've got a few ideas to to where the you know. To, to what the business plan is, or you know, where where's the ground, where's the clubhouse for Newport, um, 
what they're going to do with the you know the secured loans and bits and bobs. They must they must have ideas. But I I, I don't know. What, what do you think on it? I mean, for me, it does. I I you know having chatted to Russ earlier, it does feel like it's it's been okay. Right, let's get this dragons thing done because let's not forget this changeover has to happen before next season, and we're in April now. You know, it's April this week, and there's a new a new season beginning in not that far in the future. I think the whole thing's been rushed through so much that, yeah, I don't, I don't think Newport has been given much of a thought in it. And that's a real... You can look at that one of two ways. Either one, okay, it's it's a bit, you know, it's negligent from uh, from uh, the WRU and from the current Dragons administration because you're going to need a strong Newport in order to, to have a strong Dragons, really. Yeah. And Or secondly, you could look at it and go, well, actually... Does it really? You know, do they really care? Mm. Is it a question of going? Okay, well, let's see if we can sort the dragons out in the next three years. If not, let's have a look and and move it elsewhere. Yeah, it does seem like it's definitely an afterthought. I'm just thinking back actually to um, W Group Chief Executive Martin Phillips saying earlier on in the week that they've they've given he's given it his his best shot. Mm. Um, They've got many other things on the agenda that they want to get to. And so this is, you know, this is it basically, and it's almost they just want to wrap it up, move on, and it, and it's deal done. It's anything but deal done at the moment, isn't it? But I think you know, for me, the whole Newport versus the Dragons debate here, you know, it's symptomatic of the WU's approach to the entire game in the Premiership. Yeah. If you look at, we talked about last week, the WU invests thirty-three million pounds in the game in Wales, twenty million to the regions, and probably quite rightly. Eight million to the clubs below the Premiership, the amateur clubs around the country, and only one point five the Premiership itself. That league, you know, is not developing talent at the moment. And we talked about the mm. Championship in England last week about how many of those England players have come through the Championship. Now, yes, to a degree, some of our Welsh stars have played in the Premiership, but I almost see that as probably a brief stepping stone on the way into an academy, rather than spending genuine time there developing themselves. And look, you know, if the if the WOU the, from the top down aren't taking that league seriously, I mean, what hope do clubs like Newport have? So the, 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 you'd say the Prem's an afterthought as well, then? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I, th- I think you have to. And again, this all goes back to, and I don't want to hark, you know, hark back to 2003, but this is the legacy of what has been a really rushed job at that point. You know, you it's not an easy process to go from having uh, you know, a very proud set of clubs to forming what was then five regions that became four regions or pro clubs or whatever you want to call them. But that wasn't a smooth a smooth process in the slightest. And I still think we're dogged by the by the legacy of that. And it's a massively contentious issue in Wales because I know no one really wants to be to be run by the regions. You'd much rather be an independent entity and have destiny over your own club. But you know, if you were going to set up regions that are that are there to feed the national side, then really that had to be that had to be part of the process all along. Yeah, totally. I mean, looking at um, looking at the dragons, I think the WR you've probably looked at it and, and are aware that no one's really going to invest uh, in them. Where you've got you've got three boards: Newport, the Dragons, and County. It's an, it's a mess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, county, county are just tenants, though, aren't they, really? But, I mean, yeah, still, but still it complicates the issue. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're still in there, aren't they? And um, I, I think they've just they've just thought that it's clear that it's going to go down the pan. We'll offer to do this, and it should be it should be deal done like that. Without they've just they've just treated it strictly as a business as a business proposition, which 
if you look at it black and white, yeah, it, it, everyone everyone should just say yeah, let's, let's move on. But it isn't it isn't like that, is it? There's a there's a club there. There's sport there's, and there's love. There's exactly there's emotion and and everything about the game that we love is sort of tied in the club game. Um, and it, the WIU have, have, have forgotten about it. You agree with that, Dad? I think so. I mean, if it's been run as a business, you know the. The board of the Dragons must be the Nick Leesons of World Rugby because they've run it into the total ground. But I mean, for me, I think I think there has to be some very tough decisions. You know, in that Premiership um, environment at the moment, you've got some people putting millions in. Think about people like Merthyr, mm. RGC, yeah. clubs like that. They seem to have a huge investment, and you've got other famous clubs falling by the wayside. And we've not too long ago we saw clubs like Dunvant, etc., yeah. fall yeah. out of that league. I think the reality is. We need a much bigger conversation around the future of that league. I, for one, you know, what is the benefit to Welsh rugby as a whole to see someone like a great man off sand, Kerry Sweeney, yeah. still bossing it upon to breathe at 35? You know, how is that providing a pathway for younger players coming through? How is that providing a sustainable business for a club like Pont to be paying him relatively big money in a, a semi professional era? You know, I think for us, we need to really get clear on what's the role of the Premiership. And if it is to go all amateur, maintain a semi-pro, I think, look, inevitably, in the modern day where there is a business to run, it feels like some clubs like Newport may go the way of London Welsh and have to start from the bottom again. Yeah, I mean, it's it almost seems astonishing that that we're in this position, but it's happening in the, you know, that's that's within kind of semi-professional rugby. I know, obviously, Welsh are trying to, trying to do it wholly professional and we've kind of seen what's happened there, but... It's happened in the the tier, the professional tier, you know, in, in a number of different clubs. It's happened in Wales with Celtic Warriors. It's happened in Scotland with Border Reavers, Caledonia Reds. It's happened in Italy with Aroni. Will probably happen with Zebra and Treviso at some point. And even last week, we we're talking about Stad and Racing merging. You know, you mentioned it off air. The the landscape of world of club rugby is changing, and unless you've got the the money that big TV deals bring as they do in France and um, and England, you can't compete by by throwing money around, can you? No, but I mean, we had a couple of Aronis in uh, Italy a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? They were delicious. Yeah, but, you, had a, you had a few Aronis, yeah, yeah. didn't you, and lost your phone, yeah. It was pinched <laughs> by myself. Yeah. yeah, your phone has gone the way of Aroni, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you won't have been able to see back. that, but there was a, there was a brilliant glare from Dan towards that there. Was uh... glazed over then back in back in Naples. Yeah, thinking of a few things. Uh, moving on. Um, yeah, you you need to chip in with some media. All right. Um, is there room then for is there room for uh, for four regions with the way things are, are set up in um, in Welsh rugby? Assuming that the Dragons do take control. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, assuming that WWE <clears throat> do take control of the Dragons. Is there going to be room for four regions to compete? So I believe absolutely. There's a big debate on Twitter this week about player numbers by different countries. Yeah. It popped up in my feed. You know, Wales, we've got 80,000 yeah. rugby players registered. Ireland of 100,000. So from a numbers perspective, we seem to have enough to produce four decent regions. From a population perspective, you know, there are 500,000 people in, in the rider Gwent region, 130,000 in Newport alone. So actually, you know, there is support there if we can get behind them. But I think the key thing for me and the biggest difference is, can we, if we have four teams, they have to be four teams who are playing well to try and get bums on seats. And if you think about the, the fortunes of the Dragons over the last mm. 10 years, you know, they haven't averaged a season over two tries a game. 
the, the entire time since we go all the way back to 2010-11 season where they came 7th and they averaged 2.1. Ever since then, they've been averaging under one, one and a half tries a game, which is a poor return for the people who are going to pay every week. And maybe that's the pitch contributing, but certainly there's the players and the coaching staff. In, in part, but... You know that will play a role in it. I'd, I'd agree that it's the it's the players and the coaching is more likely to have totally. An effect on and if you compare it to Connacht, for instance, they were in the yeah, worst position. The Dragons five six years ago. You know they were regularly finishing tenth, ninth in the league, and actually their tries per game have gone you know from sort of like one point five like the Dragons last year. They were scoring almost three tries a game, and you look at that endeavour. They're at the same level almost this year again. They get they've increased their attendances. Uh, uh, Connacht by 170 percent since 2011. Mm. So they're putting bums on seats. They're playing entertaining rugby. They've clearly got a recruitment model and retention model that works for them. So I think for the Dragons going forward, they can work. They just need to re- readdress how they approach their game. Well, Connacht does look like it's a, a successful blueprint because it wasn't so long ago that this conversation was happening in Ireland about Connacht being either folded or becoming solely a, de- a developmental region. That success must be in line with money as well, though, isn't it? I mean, so, I mean, they do get money from the IRFU as well, but to put it into context, the IRFU turn over about 70 million euros a year, so it's not dissimilar to WRU. They make about 72, 73 sterling, which I think is worth about four euros nowadays. But, um, <laughs> you know, they do get money from the IRFU, but having said that, you know... I'm all for the W stepping in here and supporting the Dragons as they as they develop as a really have to redevelop as a business and a professional entity. But you know, I'm sure there's something to be done there to help get that right. Connacht, you know, they've got a great coaching with Pat Lamb. They recruit really strongly. They get people who are off the radar, but Bundyaki, but who are fantastic mm. performers. They get some people mm. who've been overlooked in Ireland, which you can argue the Dragons do in Wales. But the difference being, Ireland they seem to find these unpolished gems whereas in Wales we get people who've been proven not to be good enough mm. go into the Dragons and the final thing is they then seem to have a core of the squad who come through from the academy and people like Henshaw five years ago when Connacht were dreadful would have played one year and gone to Leinster yeah. he actually hung on for a few seasons with them now and actually was a big part of that title winning side so actually the Dragons have an academy seems to be working do they have the quality in investing in the right level of players to complement that probably not Dan, agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think the Dragons can turn can turn things around very quickly with the with the WRU's involvement, um, and they it'll just be simplified by having their involvement. And then they want they want to obviously get outside outside investors coming in. But um, Martin Phillips has talked about getting the right people involved, isn't he? He's not just going to jump at at the first you know the first people mm. that want to invest because there will be people that will come in because it'll be so clean. And um, is there is there right to be a distrust from from Dragons fans though over WRU involvement? Because like we said, if they own the region, they can give it. I think it's twenty twenty that the um, the RSA agreement is in place until they can almost kind of they've got a bit of a, a shot to nothing here. The WRU and going okay, if we can make success of it, brilliant, and turn it into a new Connacht, great. If not, they've got the option of moving it or yeah. doing what they want with it. Well, there was already distrust before. <clears throat> Before uh, Monday night, there's now even more distress because they can't answer, you know, a number of the basic basic questions. I can't see um, the WRU, you know, taking control of, of this region, investing in something that you, if you're a businessman, you you, you arguably may not invest in um, in its current form anyway. Um, 
and then and then fold and then, and then folding it or making it into a de, you know a, a, a development region. I think they're they're getting involved. There's a massive a massive massive base of rugby in that area, and um, it it'll they're rich, they'll, they'll turn things around pretty quickly. And they've got far more to gain, I think, the Dragons from partnering with the RF, uh, WIU than to lose. You know, if you think about New Zealand and their super rugby model, they're trying to privatise them actually now mm. versus mm. where they used to be all centrally owned. But the principle is you don't stack up fly halves from Wales in one club like the Ospreys do. They go next year, Hook, Bigger, Davis, mm. all at 10. There, They would spread them around and give them all a, a run. And actually, for the Dragons, they may struggle to recruit, but if the, if the WIU have people on a central deal and they get to point them where they go, all of a sudden the Dragons could be looking at a higher calibre of player come to play for them. How would that work with the current um, national <laughs> dual con- contract? Would the region, you know, presumably the the club is just reimbursed, so to speak, mm-hmm. so the union wouldn't have control over saying, OK, right, you know, whoever, um, we're going to move them over to the Dragons for a couple of seasons. Presumably that, that couldn't be the case in the, with the current setup as it is. No, so I think at the moment it's difficult, isn't it? If all the regions were WRU owned, that could be an option. Or the alternative is some sort of either loan system or reimbursement where players could, like Sam Davis, for instance, could go to the Dragons for two years. Mm. The Dragons would pay, or the WRU would pay his contract and offset that to the Ospreys by allowing them to bring in a non-Welsh qualified backup fly half mm. for a similar value in return. I think, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> is that where we're heading, though, with four... Regions all centrally owned. Dan, you've got a fairly strong opinion on this. I think we're definitely moving towards that way. We're following. We'll follow the New Zealand, the New Zealand model um, to a degree, which does work very, very well. Their model is a lot more mature, isn't it, than ours? Mm. Um, but there, as Dav pointed out, they're bringing in now outside in, outside investment. They have a balance between central and decentral, and that's what we need. That's what that's what we more than likely need in Wales but the problem that a lot of people have you know and my, myself included is that we see we see the regions through the through the prisms of, of, of our clubs well, this, um, and that comp- that complicates things enormously it does and I think it also complicates things when you view the regions through the lens of the union because right we all want to see a successful Wales side and you look at it and go there's no way that it's um, that it's the most efficient use of, to use your example, Dad, number tens to have Sam Davis and Dan Bigger, the two best tens in Wales at the same at the same club. But then that's kind of what builds with the rivalries. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of think, well, part of what the problem of regional rugby has been is that the only real games are those derbies. You know, if you are a um, an Osprey supporter, would you want to see Sam Davis? go and pull on a Scarlet's jersey. And likewise, you know, I suppose it's a bit different with uh, with the Dragons and, and Cardiff Blues because all of our players have played for you at some point. Well, they, they always seem to... There was your cast-offs, yeah. You seem to be able to pull a performance out of the bag on Boxing Day for you. <laughs> um, but do you, do you know what I mean? I think that, that kind of rivalry, does that become sanitised when you've got the union meddling and moving players around the regions? I think, you know, possibly, and look, we all look back fondly on when Northern Transvaal took place in the late 90s in Newport, and you had Teichman and all the Marinos, all the players like that. But the, the reality is, the minute the regions came into effect, a lot of these rivalries did die. And I think the thing that, you know, for the passionate, ardent Newport supporter, Ebervale supporter, mm. Cardiff supporter, etc., the W you need to think about, as we talked about earlier, the role of the Premiership, 
the role of the regions and the role of the Welsh team. Because if people really want those very local, fierce rivalries which have existed for a hundred year plus, mm. they still exist, but albeit to the lower level. And that you know, been down to Sardis Road on Boxing Day a couple of times to watch Ponty Cardiff. There's still a bit of bite in the crowd there and they still care. So that's an option for those people. But for the new generation into the regions, I think we have to accept things aren't gonna be back to those days where it was tribal, you know, we these are four manufactured products of modern marketing, if nothing else. And I think we have to look at them for what they are and change our attitude towards them. Yeah, we need we need we need some more joined up thinking. <clears throat> I mean the premiership has has been cast aside and left left out to rot really. And that's where the clubs are. And we need to have we need to be able to support our clubs and then support a region. Not support the not support our clubs through the region. Because we need to take our, our club hats off and and really focus on um, the Premiership. Look at you know having games on, for instance, the games. The pre- a lot of Premiership games are on the same. You know, are often on the same time mm. as, as the regions. They need they, sometimes don't they? they need mm. to be they need to be played at different times. And and if we look at the Ospreys having you know a number of a number of outside halves there competing, we've got the same thing at Merthyr, haven't we? They, their squad is absolutely incredible. Um, RGC squad's pretty sharp, and then you've got a you've got a, a complete the complete opposite at the other end, which tends um, yeah, which has tended to be a lot of the traditional powerhouses of yeah. of Welsh rugby. Yeah, I mean, you know, do we look at ba- do we look at balancing you know balancing that out? But then it's it's so difficult, isn't it? Because then you you you, you almost take away it's it's controlled then, isn't it? Essentially, you, you probably lose a little bit of that tribalism again. Um, in that in that prem, but I think the, if we can get the premiership sorted, a lot everything else would probably follow. Well, I think we've drawn comparisons with with New Zealand and with Ireland in particular. I think the the problem with the island, I, I suppose the island model makes sense because it's the closest to home. I think the the problem is it for me is it's always come back to identity. And the thing is, Connacht and <clears throat> Ulster, Munster and Leinster exists as entities. And I think you hit the nail on the head there, Dad, when you said that what we've got really is for uh, manufactured results of modern marketing or not so modern marketing. Mm. And you need to get people to buy into them with a with a new identity. And it's you know that I, I don't think that's really happened at anywhere other than the Ospreys. I mean, it hasn't in yeah. rugby, but mm. I think if you think about other sports, this is commonplace. You know, in the States, your local club is often, in the NFL, is often your local college because they don't tend to yeah. relocate. Your franchise club for the professional team, you know, look at Oakland Raiders. They're in three years, they're going to move to L.A. Mm. Sorry, L.A., Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. So imagine that as a fan in Oakland. You know in three years' time the team you go and support every week it's going to be thousands of a thousand miles but away, but with the same name. But with the same name, so you know fr- they make franchises work over there. They pack stadiums, and that works really well. And so I think we just have to embrace a different attitude for this, which is a big, big um, mm-hmm. departure from where we've been. But probably, if we reflect upon it, was it too much of a soft dip, a toe in the water, when the regions first launched? Yeah. Should we have been more brutal then to be safer now? But there wasn't the money within the union then. You know, the union was not in the financial place that it is now. I mean, you know the the uh, the financial and the the kind of the numbers based stuff a lot better than I do. But I know that that you know that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. You know, what you have ended up with is um, either kind of watered down versions of of clubs that we knew, and it's it's not. 
it's not a clear enough route to go, okay, right, I can be a uh, an Ebby Vale fan and the Dragons fan because it's you know it, it jars with it jars with what you used to you've grown up um, doing that's having that rivalry with Newport it just that's what it's always struck me as being that it's it's very hard if you're from one of those clubs outside and likewise the existing Newport fans are going hang on a minute this isn't my club either because it's been watered down it needs to be a proper clean break and that was never likely to be the case no, but I think the at one, that stage. The, the one league I think which they, we can take heart from is probably the championship in football, though, because mm. that pro- product has totally reinvented itself over the last couple of years. It was very much the poor man's relation to the Premiership for many years, and it's become one of the most exciting football leagues in the world. I think it's the, like the fourth most watched league mm. in Europe. And, you know, that is, okay, professional, and there are clubs there which maybe don't have the baggage that, you know, being the little or, little brother or sister of the regions would carry in the Welsh Premiership, but actually, if the if an idea could be if the if the Premiership was freed of the shackles of the WIU mm. and could go off and set its own course as an independent entity, how would that compete versus the regions? You know, would people respond to the more the local provenance of the clubs ahead of the regions if they were run properly as a separate entity, but as a professional entity? Or well, as an amateur entity. I think you'd cut your cloth accordingly. So yeah. at the moment, I'm discussing about Newport, we're probably looking at a semi-pro league at best. Mm. But, you know, over time, if the league became attractive enough and had a key point of difference to the regions and the crowds were good enough, who knows? Maybe that could become a professional entity. Dan, fly me. <clears throat> yeah, that's... Um, I'm just thinking that could become quite dangerous, couldn't it? It could compete in... Competing against the region, so I suppose the WRU would, would 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 probably not want that. I mean, how much time as well do people have to watch, you know, to to, to support both, to support the regions and then the and then the, and then the clubs as well. I know I mentioned it earlier that mm. you know maybe if they if they change the times around, then you could you could support both. But um, yeah, it's, as we as we as we're running through this now, it's very very difficult to see what exactly to get the balance right isn't it between the premiership and the regions um we probably all know that the regions has to change um if we look at the sort of geography of things as well with with you know the proximity of of the ospreys and, and the scarlets being so close together um then we got obviously gwent that's fine cardiff absolutely fine do you think that do you think the Scarlets and I'm taking on to someone else here? But do you think the Scarlets and the Ospreys being so close can uh, can can work in the long run? Or well, merging the two? It's not going to be popular, but um, well, no, it certainly wouldn't be popular. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be you'd be you'd be pretty outraged if you're a, um, if you're a supporter of either one of those because someone's going to have to play big spoon, if you like, in that relationship. But as we, but as we said, you we. Almost everyone has to take their, you know, take their hats off really and look at the, the greater good of the game, and what and what's needed. Yeah, it's, e- it's easy to say. I don't. Think I know it's, it's easy, easy to. to say, yeah. I don't think it's as easy to to do. I think a more likely outcome, personally, is I think it's. I mean, because the Scarlets have got some pretty difficult financial questions to ask of themselves, and you know, again, either there is a benefactor that can, that can come in and um, and make good on on them or it's another WRU intervention which I don't know I think out of the I think out of the the two options I think surely it's better to 
to maintain four <clears throat> regions that are that are state owned than it is to merge than it is to merge two together. That would be my thought on it. Yeah, I just know many people have, have mentioned about the sort of the proximity of the two. They're so close together. Yeah, they are. It. As Dav, you know, Dav mentioned last week, talking about chimney pots. It's the, 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 there's there's not enough, is there? But again, that that dates back to to two thousand and three all over again, when it's it's not a clear geographical decision, because you've got an awful lot of power brokers there at the same time. It's a question of okay, who who are we able to negotiate with and who are we not? And you know, Clinethley's a, a club that at that time, um, you know, it was, it was not impossible to to deny them a. Um, you know, essentially, what is an expanded version of of their club? You know, it wore their colours. It played in their yeah. ground. Same has happened in Newport. Yeah, you know, absolutely. that's and same has happened in Cardiff. And to a certain extent, you know, even the Ospreys wasn't a clean wasn't a clean start. No, but they're the they're the only the Ospreys are the only uh, the only region aren't they that are that are sort of economically viable at the moment, aren't they? The, the, the I mean, again, though, it's, you know, it's not as if it's, as if it's creaking and they're, they're packing out the Liberty, is it? You know, like, like Swansea City did, even when they were in the Championship. No, but they're you in know, a pretty healthy still... state compared to looking at the finances of the others, I mean. Yeah, again, I, I you know, don't know enough about the finances to know how much of that is. Well, I've got, um, got a little bit on the scarlet. On, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so they're running at a 1.5 million annual loss every season. It then gets a little bit worse. Two to two point five million when you add the need to make provision to repay the WRU nearly one million mm. um, in two thousand twenty three, and then Carmarthen Council two point six million plus interest. So it's it doesn't make pretty reading. So uh, makes me smile though, not that, but the fact that um, you know it's a typical Welsh podcast. This that we're talking about renationalising everything, you know, yeah. the regions, the railways. Um, <laughs> it's a solution to everything outside the bridge, but. Um, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? And you know, long term, I think unless the TV deal comes and they find or they find other commercial enterprises to increase their revenue, I think the yeah. WRU could be the only option. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. It just shows how how difficult <clears throat> it is, doesn't it? The Scarlets are in a pickle, the Blues are, are, are in a pickle. Obviously, they're looking towards it all. You know, a lot of theirs hinges on whether they get the Cardiff Farms Park that redevelopment plan there. Um, at the moment. I can't see anything other than the WIU getting involved in in all the regions um, and taking it forward that way. Well, it's, it's really interesting, and you know, I, I don't think we're necessarily going to have all the answers here tonight. In fact, we're certainly not. But um, the one thing that we kind of pride ourselves on doing on this podcast is trying to view it through the lens of, of fans. And I think to just to go back to those points you've made there, um, Dan, is we've had... You know, whatever it is now, 13, 14 years of regional rugby, there has to be, there has to be a point where we kind of, where we kind of commit to it. Because again, you're reaching the stage now where, unless you get that next generation of, of fans to buy into, to buy into something, you're going to be in a real problem, and you're not going to have people going and supporting a club, mm. whether it be a local club or a um, or a region, and. You know, I think folding regions and moving them—I don't know—it doesn't—it doesn't sit well with me because I think you've got—you um, know—you've got to look at it as as someone who spends money every season to go and see it. So the, the kind of the Oakland Raiders mm-hmm. example—I know it's kind of commonplace in America, but it, it's something that really jars with me because I just think you know if that if that's your team, how 
god awful that would be. It doesn't. It doesn't sit well with me either because, <clears throat> you know, I've got a I've got a, a heart, and we all you know we all love we all love the game. But if if you look at the the dire state that many of these regions are in, change is often unpopular. Um, but it might be something that if we don't if we don't make a change, then there becomes the the, the death of them. Um, and you know, without a change, we could see things getting even even worse, potentially. Yeah, and I, th- I think ultimately for me, what we all want is the four regions, top four of the Pro 12, all in yeah. Europe. And, you know, I'd like nothing more than the Cardiff fan than to get to the knockouts of the, the Heineken Cup mm. and be playing Newport, etc., and not just bumping into them in the Challenge Cup, which we seem to be destined to at the moment. So... I think you know it'd be great for Wales and Welsh rugby if our players are playing at the highest level because we keep our best players in Wales. And I think you know the Connacht example, how they they've doubled you know their uh, tendencies through playing attra- att- attractive running rugby, um, and through getting the structure behind the scenes right. And I think you know, however we do that, whether it's a WIU or a private investor, that's absolutely paramount for the future of the mm. game in Wales. Could you could you see a bit of the, a bit of both? So WIU. Involvement and then outside coming in. Well, that's that's what they got at the moment, isn't it? WOU and fifty yeah. percent, mm-hmm. and there's uh, these you know great benefactors, Mr. Hazel and Brown. If you think about it, yeah, you know, incredible. They've yeah. given so much of their own personal wealth away, and when you read the stories about why they're stepping back, it's you know they're both close to eighty. Maybe the people their heirs who don't who want to inherit their money, they don't want to start losing money and pumping into rugby club, which to be fair, is absolutely fair enough. So, I think the the role these guys have played in keeping the clubs and the regions afloat at this point is admirable. And from looking at the WIU and the improving situation, the stadium's almost fully paid off. Now the debt situation's good at the WIU. We make a hell of a lot of turnover from them. And games like Judgment Day, you know, we've got coming up in a couple of weeks' time, mm. they are, you know, that was the most attended uh, fixture in the Pro 12 last year, ahead of anything they do in Ireland. So actually, you know, maybe a central deal with the WIU fully owned isn't the worst thing at the end of the day. Mm. That's a really good point. And I think, um, you know, you're always going to butt heads to a certain degree and you're never going to get everyone's buy-in. But I think one thing's for sure, and that's that there has to be some action pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, immediately at the Dragons, you know, there has to be a solution, whether this is it. um, uh, You know, I guess we'll find out in due course. But... Things are going to have to change pretty quickly because otherwise, like you say, you've got that dreaded, you know, you have the, the dreaded... Grim Reaper, um, the the rugby version, whatever he might look like, <laughs> um, kind of lurking over the shoulders of the regions, and that's that's not something that we want to see happen to anyone, really. Agreed. Yeah, no, not at all. We're all sort of scratching our heads here still. We are really. I think the one thing I just wanted to kind of end on to bring it back to the Dragons was um, there was a quote from Lewis Evans um, earlier on in the week. Obviously, a big hero of mine, um, and it just kind of says common sense has to prevail now. I'm not entirely sure what common sense is in this in this instance, but one thing I am sure on, and that's that that common sense has to has to come from the board within the uh, um, within the dragons as well. And I feel like this week has kind of shown that they haven't really um, yeah. given any transparency to um, to the supporters of of Newport Rugby Club, and you know really to dragons either. And I think that's something that um, something that, that makes makes me really, really concerned about the whole thing. Um, but ultimately, you know, I want 
I want rugby in Newport and in Gwent to flourish, and just hopefully it'll it'll reach a, a solution that will that will do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. really, really hope that uh, they get it all sorted. All right, brilliant. Right, well, we've got loads coming up in um, in part two, and uh, as always, you say at this point, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts at Attacking Scrum, or you can get in touch with us on Facebook as um, as Matt Armstrong did uh, earlier on, and um, he kind of asked us what what we thought would happen to. Um, to the region and the club if if talks fall through and and kind of you know uh, another point which actually we might just finish on now is kind of who you know who would replace the dragons if things were to go um completely south so i mean would there would there be an option to move um to move to north wales in a, in a couple of years time or do you think that's something that's a viable that's a viable option for the wiu i can't see the wiu um Moving away from moving away from Gwent, I think we we need a we need a region there. If anything, I can see the Ospreys something happening potentially with mm. uh, with the with the Scarlet, like having basically a north north south east and west, and having a region in each in, in each one of those places. What about you, Dad? I mean, I think it's what our chimney passed last week. We are in you know three of the four, you know, the three biggest. Sort of combinations of it chimney is chimney pots and with you property guru, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean you know Newport is third behind Cardiff and Swansea as the key big conurbations in South Wales, so I feel like we're in a good place there. I agree with Dan that he does stand out somewhat, but you know, whilst the finances aren't great at the moment, they do have a great pipeline of talent and scouting mm. network in place, yeah. and on the field they're getting it right. Yeah. So I mean, for me, if we can sort this turmoil out of the Dragons and the Scarlets and the Blues can sort their finances out, I'm more open to thinking about the possibility of almost a Connick-style, 10 years ago, development region in the north, which, you know, less funding, but a, a, a pathway through to maybe five regions again in 10 or five, ten, five to 10 years' time. I would love that. Yeah, well, I, think, um, I think we all would, wouldn't we? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's dreamy. Yeah. It's I lovely. Know. I'm not we'll sure I feel... I'm not sure I feel that hopeful about it at the moment, you know, while you've got um, the state of things uh, as they kind of, and the uncertainty that's, that's kind of looming over, over Gwent and over, uh, and over Newport at the moment. But, you know, I guess only, uh, only time will tell. So, um, yeah, like we say, thanks, uh, thanks Matt Armstrong for getting in touch, uh, for getting in touch with us on Facebook and feel free to do the same. And also if you want to leave us a review, uh, drop us a, a note on iTunes and as always, we'll give you a shout out on there too. So yeah, loads coming up in part two. We'll speak to you shortly. Tons of fire on Idris flaring, news of Fomeni declaring, to heroities of daring, call you Harlick Men. Sports Social Podcast Network.